Hey, Shravia, remember how they delayed Roland Garros for a week? We? Yes. Um, maybe they should have delayed it indefinitely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravia. Shravi and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. All right. Hello, everyone. It is June 1st. Happy Pride Month. Um, and this is episode 61 of Hold On To Your Racket. Um, as you know, during Grand Slams, we like to do an episode at the culmination of every round to sort of give you a little recap, a little check-in of how we're feeling, because as we know, Grand Slams can be pretty dramatic. I think we got a taste of it, um, during the Australian Open quarantine, how dramatic that was, and that was even before the tournament started, and here, uh, what is it, three days into Roland Garros, and it feels like we're, like, halfway through into all the drama that's been going on yeah i mean it feels like during grand slams all of the players animal instincts come out it's like some (laughs) catty high school music yeah musical or movie yeah no u.s open it was ptpa australian open it was the quarantine quarantine. french open it's always everything (laughs) always everything yeah the French, oh my god, no matter when it takes year. place, it was gifts last year, it was Vera being sick last year. There was, oh, there's, oh, it's always something. Anyway, um, we were talking about the Naomi Osaka news last episode about how she boycotted the press, and we gave you our take on it. Make sure to take a listen to that episode if you haven't already. I think we really enjoyed having that conversation actually because it's a really important one from so many different lenses, and um, as you may have heard because this news has not only taken the tennis world by storm this news has not even taken the sports world by storm this news has become like a global a a global story um and we're going to talk about that later about the impact that she's had with this but basically on may 26th um she released her initial statement saying that she would not be attending press conferences during the 2021 uh, french open And then in the statement that she released on May 31st, um, she said that she would be withdrawing from the French Open, and she said that she had suffered, quote, long bouts of depression since the 2018 U.S. Open, and she'd be boycotting the press due to their lack of attention towards athletes' mental health. Um, And that's something that she revealed more recently after all the backlash and all the, you know, what's the word? The... Um, the gaggle? No, that's not what it is. All the talk that was going on about this story. Um, so, you know, we, we heard her mention mental health in her first statement, but it was un- only until later in her withdrawal statement, I believe, when she said that um, she disclosed this information about depression. And um, we also talked about the email that she wrote to the French Open organizers, as well as uh, what she said in her statements that she is willing to work with the tour and the slams in order to better the player experience when it comes to mental health. So she's willing to take an active role in this. So even after all that, 
on May 31st, Naomi released a second statement, like Shravio was saying, on her social medias, announcing that she had officially withdrawn from the French Open this year. So this was after her first round match where she defeated Tig 6-4-7-6. So obviously she had some good tennis um, to play. But unfortunately, Naomi was threatened disqualification and suspension from the four Grand Slams if she continued to miss press conferences. So in the end, the Grand Slams did get what they wanted. People are saying that they essentially bullied her into withdrawing, which is actually what happened because obviously these are higher powers that force Mm -hmm. a player in such an individual position to back out of this tournament i think that you can't you obviously can't prevent what like fans and people are gonna say like on social media and stuff but when it comes to the grand slams these entities we all we were saying in our first in our previous episode of how the reaction was already proving Naomi's point about the question that someone asked Coco Golf about the way that people were, you know, have like publishing these clickbaity quotes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I mean, when you have this situation where you know Naomi's struggling with her mental health, the least that these slams could do is be considerate of that and realize, like, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't publish a bullying statement that's also not productive whatsoever. Um, and I mean, I think that was something that they really missed the mark on because. You're, as a sport, claiming to hold this, you know, value that, oh, we do value players' mental health, but, I mean, clearly, the way that they responded was so tone deaf. They kept, they emphasized the Grand Slams in their statement. They were like, oh, we reached out to Naomi and offered her our mental health support, and I was like, what is that gonna do? Not like, even th- that. Like, the- they said we offer her a speedy recovery. This yeah, is like, this mental is depression. health. This is anxiety and depression this is not a strained calf those are the exact words i texted travian when i saw this the first time no like josephine and i have had several all caps text chains these past two days talking about naomi osaka one of my friends today at school came up to me and she was like two freshman boys in my class were talking about naomi and how she didn't do the right thing and i was like oh my god how i wish i could have been in that class (laughs) and told those two freshman boys to sit down and listen to what I have to say before babbling their mouths on something they probably don't even know enough about. But also, this is slightly off topic, but I I think is really um, goes to show you the double standard here. Where was this energy from the Grand Slams when it comes to responding to domestic violence allegations? Where is this energy from the Grand Slams when it comes to a player violating COVID protocol and escaping on a private jet? Where is this energy from the Grand Slams when you have players actively spitting on the court, cursing and giving death threats to chair umpires and lines people? Like, the the double standard there for men, for white men, for against Naomi Osaka and people like Naomi Osaka, like, it is... If if you can't see it in this, I don't know. I really don't. You there's no hope in terms of getting me this, getting you to see what's wrong here. Cause I feel like all those incidents happen within this kind of safe border, and by Naomi even um, boycotting the press here in this tournament, she was like expanding boundaries and making changes. And I think the tours are so scared of that, mm. so so scared of like changing how they see things yeah. and things like yeah. that. So also, where's the backlash. PTPA? The PTPA hashtags players voice. We want to include the WTA in our efforts. Like this is literally the thing where you could be speaking out on. I don't know. And then also, like, um, I just think that in terms of what this you know statement brought about, like, 
people have been waiting to vilify Naomi Osaka for years. They got their one shot at it, and look at what's happened now. But at the same time, with all the hate that's going on, the outpour of support from people not just within the tennis world, I think is really inspiring. Not just within the sports world, either. Um, she got people talking. And she got people talking for a good reason. This isn't like some petty controversy. This is about athletes' mental health, which I think we've also mentioned in the past few months, especially during COVID. Some players have hinted at it, right? Like being in quarantine, being whatever. Even in non-COVID times, like the toll that it takes on these athletes, and as we've always talked about, especially on athletes, um, who are female, who are um, women of color, who are athletes of color, who are marginalized in any other way. Like, there's so much going on there that, like, mental health doesn't get talked about enough. But she got people talking. Um, And, for example, Steph Curry. If you don't know who Steph Curry is, I mean, I know this is a tennis podcast, but, okay, maybe if you don't follow, maybe if we're not in the States, you don't know who he is. But um, he's a famous basketball player, very accomplished. I don't exactly know the specific <laughs> Yeah, we don't. That's not I, our area of expertise. Yeah, but he tweeted in support of Naomi. He said, you shouldn't ever have to make a decision like this, but so damn impressive taking the high road when the powers that be don't protect their own. I he said know it that, best. He said it I, best. Yeah, I posted this on my Instagram story. Josephina posted this on her Instagram story. We posted it on the we, Hold On To Your Racket. Yeah, we just loved this. And then also, people like Jamila Jamil, who, you know, is an actress. She was on The Good Place. Um, she's also very involved in political issues. She Even she posted about it, which actually people were like, like, thanks for the support. But people were also like, girl, I don't think you have ever really followed tennis before this. But in a way, that proves the point, right? Naomi's yeah, that, got people. Naomi got people talking yeah yeah we were talking about um last time how if she's the one to make a change if anyone's there to make a change it should be her because like Mm -hmm. we said she had a whole tournament paused oh um masters 1000 paused for a whole day towards her a movement that she was supporting and that others should have been supporting which she was Mm -hmm. actively speaking out about and she did it again and it it just happened to be that withdrawing is what got people talking and yes it was a painful decision on her part but i mean she she did it she made a change and now people are actually forcing the tours to acknowledge what they've done i want to add two things one thing i want to say is to address the argument that some people have of like oh if she can't handle the press this isn't the job for her or like this press is part of the job you got to do it like yeah we acknowledge press is part of the job, but if you won't let a player take one, you know, players should also be able to prioritize their mental health, and everyone does that in a different way. Just because if you're gonna play, if you're gonna talk about, if you're gonna talk about, you know, Venus and Serena and compare her to that, just because Venus and Serena have handled it, that doesn't mean that Naomi's gonna handle it in the same way, right? Like, every person handles it differently. Serena said it herself. She was asked about it, and she was like, look, I just want to give her a big hug right now, and I've been able to get through my tough times in terms of how I've been treated by the press, but every person handles it differently, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, first of all, it's not fair to compare it that way. And second of all, I don't know about you, Josephina, but, like, to me at least, seeing, like, a female athlete being treated like that and to see, like, the mental health impact that obviously got exacerbated because of all of this and the way that people talking are talking about her now, but, like, oh, she's not fit for the job, oh, she shouldn't be doing this, this isn't, like, you know, people downplaying her experiences, that's hurtful. Yeah, like, and hurtful. to imagine that this whole thing started because she wanted a break for her mental health, this is probably just 
causing more of a strain for her. And it literally proved her point. The exactly. reaction proved her point. Yeah, Naomi being bullied into withdrawing is the epitome of how harmful it is in the professional sports world that the media be prioritized over the player and their mental health. Mm. That's basically the statement that we're looking for here. Priorities. The tours need to get their priorities straight because if media is more important, media and coverage, press coverage, all that and sponsorships are more important than the players and the sport itself, there is a problem in the balances. Yeah. I also just want to say, like, I think it's a really mature decision that Naomi made to pull out. She didn't need to pull out, you know, but she realized that, like, first of all, she prioritized her own mental health, which is important. We don't want to see her crumble like that because she's a sensation, like, on the court, off the court, like, everything she does is just amazing, and I, I, we obviously want the best for her, and it hurts as her fans to see her struggle through that, and I think it hurts as a tennis fan, a sports fan in general, but, I mean, I think the decision to withdraw, she's young, she has handled, she, after the 2018 U.S. Open, her fame grew, like, within a second, right, especially since that final was so, um, dramatic, and she even talked about it, she's been suffering with that depression since that final, um, but her fame, like, she skyrocketed up there, and she has never failed to use her platform in a responsible way. The only issue that some people had was, like, her first statement that she pulled out, pulled, put out about withdrawing was maybe a bit, like, maybe painted the entire media with a single brush, which didn't come off that great to some people. Okay, fine. Maybe she, like, maybe the statement could have been better crafted in, like, a few, like, in certain sentences, but that's not the point, right? The point is here is the treatment that she's gotten, the move that she stepped to take, the way that the tennis world needs to get their priorities straight, as you were saying, and, you know, just overall the how this is all blown up. And I think that, as we've been saying, there's good sides to this and there's bad sides to this. The bad side is obviously she's had to withdraw. The bad side is obviously you've seen how the tours have responded to this, or the Grand Slams, like, atrociously. Um, and all the hate that's been coming. But on the upside, she's triggering change, right? She's, you know, using her platform wisely once again. The Grand Slams today, actually, after their train wreck of a statement yesterday um actually released a revised statement today expressing their interest in improving their handling of mental health on the tour so exactly as naomi said in that email she is getting change to happen and i think that's really awesome to see but i really really do hope that she takes this time off for the better and that she's able to you know rest and come back um for the grass season for the olympics for whenever she feels ready yeah so Obviously, we've had a lot to say about that, and surely there will be updates on that later, which we will probably discuss in later episodes, but still, it's a very important subject that we love to get out and talk about and share our opinions on, because that's what this podcast is about, and that's what we want to share, and um, yeah, it's just really important for the tennis world, for the world in general, and mental health rights, everything. It just encompasses everything, and that's why this is such an important movement and s- statement that Naomi's made. If I had to pick one tennis story to associate with the word intersectionality, this would be it. Like, we've talked about mental health, we've talked about gender, we've talked about race, we've talked about literally everything when it comes yeah. to this issue, and it's because they like you can't look at this issue without looking at all those lenses and more. 
Um, so because really, so many different athletes have related to this also. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we like sit down and have these longer conversations about things like this because otherwise people like those freshman boys are going to go off and say stuff that's just ill-informed and, you know, Ill, um, ill-informed and not, you know, taking into account all the pieces of the puzzle. So that's what we're trying to do. Obviously, we're opinionated, but we're trying to put together the pieces of the puzzle in the way that we see it playing out and um, to give credit where credit's due, to be critical where criticism is due, um, but paint the story the way that um, we think is, is, the, is the way that is right to be seen as. I think we did a better job than um, NBC, who said that Naomi withdrew after being fined fifteen thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, that was their not headline. What happened at all? That was their headline. How that those types of headlines again is that same type of misleading stuff. This is another one of Josephina and I's all text, all capital text convos that we had because that that again, as I was saying, like completely the, wrong. Any opportunity to vilify her, people will take. Right, that implies that oh, she got fined. That's why she's withdrawing. She's yeah, this isn't a tabloid magazine. This is sports. Exactly. She's withdrawing because she's suffering from depression. She's not withdrawing because she's annoyed that she's getting fined. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to some more, and unfortunately not so enlightening news. More um, Roland Garros slander because they deserve it. <laughs> Carla Suarez Navarro, she played her last match at the French Open without fans or a ceremony. So she played um, Sloane Stevens, and Sloane Stevens defeated her 3 6, 7 6, 6 4. But she definitely put up a good fight for the last match. It was a pretty lengthy match at that. So it's yeah. great that she fought through to the end. And it was great to see her really put her all into it because we know that she could. She's an amazing player, athlete, person. Yeah, former top 10. And I mean, um, Carla, as we know, she's coming back after beating cancer. She had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she actually said in an interview a few weeks ago, I already won the most important match of my life, which I thought was really sweet. And she's gotten an outpour of support from the tennis world, fellow players, from the media, from fans, um, which has been really beautiful to see. And she was talking about during her treatment, which was obviously during the height of the pandemic or during quarantine, um, she said she didn't want to retire last year because she wanted to do like a final farewell on a tour where the fans were there, right? And obviously that was so important. She also talked about how important the French Open itself is to her. It's one of her favorite tournaments. And the French Open really dropped the ball on this, and we're going to explain why. Yeah, the tournament scheduled Carlo's match in the night session, and the tournament is not allowing fans during the night session. So that is completely on their part. And also, they didn't offer any sort of ceremony or celebration after the match. I mean, this was Carlo's last match at your tournament. I know, and I've seen, for example, when Kim Kleisters um, retired at the U.S. Open, they even though she lost the match, they brought out the mic for her. She got to give a whole speech and she got to give her spiel and everything and champagne and all that. And, she, you know, a formal farewell. But here, there was absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you said it all. It's it's just disappointing because you knew that she, you knew this was going to, like, I, they did the, the, obviously not the same type of situation, but, like, um, 
and I'm by no means saying that this is the same degree, but if, for example, for Joe Wilford Sanga, who's coming back from injury and who probably is going to retire soon, I mean, everyone kind of gets that feeling from him, he lost his first round match, um, and they also scheduled him in the night session, and this could very possibly have been the last match at the French Open that he ever plays, and he had no fans. This is even worse because Carla's story is just, you know, and, you know, she's tough, former, I mean, just her, everything she's been through. But real shame on the tournament. Like, mm-hmm. you, like come on. Like, that's the, the least they could have done is so, schedule her match. So, I think the French Open is, like, the epitome of tone deaf. I personalization of tone deaf. Yeah, no. I, I, I will be biased here and I say, like... It, the the tournament organizers or the whoever runs and is in charge of this stuff really needs to reevaluate some of their priorities. Um, sadly, we don't have a happy hot headline to end <laughs> you guys with. Our next is that Alexander Zverev signs signed a sponsorship deal with Rolex. The reason we want to highlight this is because Rolex, big company, they have a lot of stuff in the tennis world too. Literally every single clock you see in the Grand Slams, like the time where they track the time, it's a Rolex clock um i mean to all the people who said that like oh stop mentioning the allegations against where if you don't think they're real they're gonna ruin his career no he just keeps getting more and more sponsorships he keeps getting away with this no one wants to hold him accountable literally he's living a happy life which is a shame yeah if anything he's doing better than people to deserve it more exactly so a very sad trio of hot headlines today. We're well, sorry. I mean... Well, the Naomi one is like, you know. If you want to end on a good note, you know what? Yesterday was Iga Sviatek's birthday. Yes. Also, so, I'm, I'm scratching yeah. my head for more happy, happy ones. Well, some of the tennis results have been happy. Momfi won. Nishikori won. There was uh, probably multiple babies born yesterday. Yeah. Maybe not tennis-related ones, Caroline but... Caroline Wozniacki has been posting some really awesome maternity photo shoots. Hmm. So, I mean, there's that. But, I mean, it's the French Open. What do you expect? <laughs> so, we may not like the French Open that much, but we do like the tennis. So we're going to go through some of the notable upsets from today on the WT and the ATP side. And then we're going to check in with some of the top seeds, see how they're doing. um, And, you know, just talk about everything that's going on in terms of the actual tennis. So on the WTA side, we had some upsets, including Tamara Zadoncek defeating Bianca Andreescu, the sixth seed, in a super tight match, 6-7, 7-6, 9-7. And this is definitely a big deal because Bianca does not play very often. So <laughs> we had we had Bianca we going had through to huge the huge expectations for her. I know, I know, and this wasn't even a matter a matter of health. I don't think. I just think this was like a really tight match. But I mean, I think it's as you were saying. I think lack of match play yeah. shows through, right? Honestly, I'd rather her lose because she actually lost than cry about injury. an injury because I yeah. feel so oh, yeah, bad yeah. for her when that I happens. I know. Yeah, and she definitely adds stuff to the tour. I just think that, I just hope it's not good. I just hope she's, like, healthy after this. And then grass season, we can hopefully see some consistent (laughs) matches for Bianca. Because she's so fun to watch. She is. Um, Her game is really entertaining. But, I mean, with Naomi's withdrawal, too, that bottom quarter of the draw 
the Bianca Naomi section <laughs> wide open. Wide open for someone like Paula Badosa, for example, or Kudermatova, mm-hmm. for example, to come through. So keep an eye on that section. And then we had Marta Kostyuk defeating Garbine Muguruza, the 12th seed. So Kostyuk defeated her 6-1-6-4, and we knew that this would be a difficult match for Mugu, but at the same time, we are happy for Marta. She's definitely one of my favorite young players on tour. She is so cool. I don't know. I just love her vibe. Can I share a conspiracy theory I have? Uh Uh-oh. I have a, I, I don't think it's actually true, but, like, I had, I was convinced for, like, two days that she and Lorenzo Bussetti had a thing Oh, my God, I remember this. Because, because Just because they comment on each other's posts? No, 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 okay, yes, (laughs) and, well, he also, he already likes everyone's posts, but, like, yeah, they like, he likes her posts, and they had, like, a practice session together in, like, Miami or something, or maybe it wasn't Miami, but somewhere. Oh, my goodness. And I thought they were dating. I realize that that's, like, less evidence than Riley Opelka and Venus Williams <laughs> now that I think about it. But what if, I mean, if I turn out to be correct, then I should You heard be, it here first. I should, yeah, you heard it here first, and then maybe Hotter should also evolve into a tennis tabloid magazine. No, that's a joke, because we already talked about how bad it is for mental health. We're kidding. But, um... <laughs> Are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, if they end up dating, you can thank me. Um, another well, this is like kind of an upset, more of like a notable result is that Belinda Benches, the tenth seed, defeated Nadia Podoroska, one of the semifinalists here last year, six love, six three. So probably not the way Nadia wanted it to go. Um, but I mean, it was a pretty surprise run last year. The support between the Argentinian players last year during the French Open was so cute. And Diego Schwarzman always showing up to Podoroska's matches and supporting her on social media. I thought that was so cool. Even the Argentinian tennis fans on social media are so, like, energetic and lively for to support their players. Like, I remember, so Juan, uh, Juanma qualified for the main draw, and they were all really happy about that. And Fran, his brother, Francisco Serendolo... He lost in the last round of qualifying, but then someone pulled out last minute of the main draw, and he got lucky loser into the main draw, which was nice. He lost in the first round, though. Um, I believe both of them did, but still nice to see them get to get that far in the qualifying and, you know, making those strides. But they need wild cards. Give them a wild card. They deserve it. Yeah. So, actually, speaking of ATP, we have some upsets on that side, too, starting with Lorenzo Musetti defeating David Goff in the 13th seed, 6-0-7-5-7-6. So this was something that we had talked about in our episode, in our preview episode, because it was a huge chance for Musetti to get a an upset early in the rounds, and he did. And unfortunately for David Goffin, of course, he is um, a great player, but he's been in kind of a slump lately. So I think he's like... I don't know if there's anyone who, like, doesn't like him. I don't really see yeah, exactly. there to be a reason He's to not like amazing. him. amazing. So it's definitely another bittersweet one because we're huge fans of Lorenzo Mazzetti, but at the same time feel horrible for David Goffin for yeah. losing so early. Also, I was talking about this with Josefina earlier today, but, like, Lorenzo Mazzetti, like, I'm shocked that, or I'm impressed by the way that he's handling sort of all the attention that he's been getting in the past 
like, 10 months or so, or, like, a little less than 10 months, like, since his Rome wild card, when he made his, like, big debut, Mm -hmm. he's been backing it up with consistent results, like, from Acapulco to doing pretty well in the clay season um, to, you know, now, like, you know, pulling off these upsets pretty, like, bringing his good tennis pretty consistently. I think that's really impressive to see from someone so young. And then we had Andrea Seppi defeating Felix Auger Elysim, the 20th seed, 6-3-7-6-4-6-6-4. So, obviously, we're sad about Felix. We love him. Um, but, yeah, he's also another player that's kind of in a slump lately, and we're so sad for that because we want to see more of him. Yeah, I feel bad using the term flop era. For someone like Felix, I'm not gonna use it for Felix. I feel that for Matea, it was like in an endearing way, like yeah, because you know. When I say slump, is... though, it sounds like this is a baseball podcast. Hold yeah. on to your bat. <laughs> no, Josephina and I hate baseball for the record. <laughs> um, our next upset is Jan Leonard Struff defeating Andre Rublev, the seventh seed, six three seven six four six three six six four. So definitely a tough round matchup for Andre, but still sad because you don't see Rublev going out in the first round of a slam that often. And, you know, he had a difficult draw, but we thought that maybe he'd be able to handle it. But it's sad because Rublev's one of those players who's been doing so well for the past two seasons, but has yet to have that big slam breakthrough. Yep. Um. So that was definitely tough to see. And then our last notable upset is Pablo Andujar defeating Dominic Team, the fourth seed. Uh, four six five seven six three six four six four. So tough because Dominic was up two sets to love, and Pablo's obviously on an upset run at the moment, taking out Fed and now taking out taking out Dominic. Um, it's sad because I think Dominic, you know, we've been hearing about in the past few months. He's also struggling with his mental health. It seems like you know he doesn't feel as much you know as in tune with his game as maybe he did last year where he was playing so well um obviously normal to have that sort of like sophomore slump as they call it but if there's any uh good thing to take away from this matchup is all we'll say is that these are two players who we've been finding pretty easy on the eyes lately (laughs) it always ends with that doesn't it (laughs) the atp always disappoints but there's one thing that they won't disappoint in (laughs) Um, anyways, moving <laughs> on to the WTA top seeds. Um, Ashley Barty, the first seed, defeated Bernarda Perra 6-4-3-3. 3-6, sorry. 3-6. That's a typo in our, in our little notes <laughs> I knew that. I knew something was wrong. <laughs> um, 3-6-6-2. So, um, Barty took a medical timeout and her quad was taped up um coming into her match so hopefully she's fine with that but she's so good to win in three sets too i mean again that's like she is so mentally tough Mm -hmm. she could get through anything it is insane and we love her for it i know she's also just so sweet i think she's a real really good sportsmanship i also hope that she's healthy she did with she did retire from her quarterfinal match in Rome versus Coco Golf, despite leading a set, and she was leading in, in the second set too by a little bit. Um, so I hope it's okay. I mean, she did take that time off to rest. So, and I mean, she has a good shot at going deep here. So I hope that she's able to do that. And then this is a result that I honestly wasn't expecting, but Sophia Kennan, the fourth seed, took out Yelena Ostapenko, 6 4 4 6 6 3. 
Maybe this is just me, but I thought this went under the radar. That is a very difficult, tough match for Sophia going in as a defending finalist, um, going in after not having such a great season so far um, due to her appendicitis surgery and just, you know, overall not playing as well as she was last year. But I think that's... I think... Did we talk about this last episode? But we talked about it in general. I think we talked about it in the context of Musetti and his match versus David Goffin. But coming out, I think... In the first round with a win like that, a really strong win against a strong player, um, can add some real confidence, I would assume, um, going throughout through the rest of the tournament. So I think that's honestly a good test for Sophia to have that in the first round. Yeah, honestly, that's a huge development, like mentally, early on in the rounds that will really help in the long run if she does end up using that to her advantage. So then we have Iga Sviatek, the ace seed, defeating Kaja Juvan 6-0. 7-5. So, this was actually a win on her birthday for Iga. She turned 20 years old. Not a teenager anymore. Boo. We we love teenagers. <laughs> that was weird. Um, And her and Yvonne, Yvonne are actually good friends. And Kaya stayed on court for her birthday celebration. And they chatted for a while. Like, the true besties that they are. I'm sure that if... Um, Shravya defeated me in the first round of the French Open. I'd also stay with her to hang out on court after, I guess. I don't think I would bother going to the French Open. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, maybe U.S. Don't... Open, Wimbledon, Wimbledon, Australia. How about any other Grand Slam? Literally any other tournament I would go to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, happy birthday to Iga. Um, then we have Serena Williams, the 7th seed, defeating Irina Camille Begu, 7-6, 6-2. She was leading like 5-2 or 5-3 in the first set, and then Serena, for some reason, decided to, like, go away for a little bit and make it to a tiebreak, but she still won the tiebreak anyway, so I guess that's fine. Um, but she was one of the first players to play, uh, in the No Fans Night session that we were talking about earlier. I just gotta say, I'm obsessed with her outfit. I love the color. No one can pull that, well, very few people can pull off that color. She looked great in it, and her shoes are awesome. I love how they say her daughter's name on it, too. Yeah, I love the little doodles. You know what would be so cute? If um, her daughter actually drew that. (laughs) That (laughs) Not not some random Nike fashion designer. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Serena Williams, actually, we tweeted about this, but Josephina texted me a little picture of your your sister's your sister's project. <laughs> yeah, so my sister, my little sister's in fifth grade, and she actually chose Serena Williams to do her Women's History Month project on for school, and she did so tell me cute. about it, and I, I never really, I was supposed to help her with it, but she did really <laughs> well on her own, so <laughs> I, that's fine. Yeah. So now we have Arena Sabalenka, the third seed, defeating Anna Kanya, 6-4, 6-3. So Arena is looking strong, and like we said, she is a huge threat and title contender going into this tournament. So this was not unexpected, but also it is reassuring to see that she's doing well yeah. because, like, as we've seen before, Grand Slams are not her strength. It's definitely mm-hmm. the smaller tournaments, so it's really great to see. I would say she's see. like a Rublev type. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. We've Wait, said this before. That's like- Oh, have we said this before? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> so, luckily, Sabalenka did not um, reflect her ATP counterpart in this sense. <laughs> so, yeah. she came I off mean, with a super had, strong win. Yeah. They both had tough first-round opponents. Yes. I think this is another confidence-boosting win. And we mentioned this in the last episode. 
This is the first Grand Slam that I think she's going into as a real top three title contender. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how she handles that pressure. Um, lastly, this is some very sad news. Petra Kvitova had to withdraw from the French Open because of an ankle injury that she sustained not during her first round match, during her which she had actually saved a match point in to win, but during her post-match press conference. So yeah. that um, Roland Garros needs to figure out its press situation because <laughs> that's sad. Uh, I don't think, I don't know how, my I, my mom I told my mom about it and my mom was like, how does that even happen? Yeah, I like, don't know. Well, yeah, I could sprain oh, wow. my ankle walking, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but real bad luck for her. I feel bad, especially because she had such a good run here last year. Yeah, um, for to sure. the semis. So, all right, going into the ATP side, some of these are gonna we're gonna breeze through because like they're not really that surprising. Novak Djokovic, number one seed, defeated Tennis Sandgren, six two, six four, six two. Yeah, yeah, we get it. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast already, but. When the draws came out and Tennis Sandgren saw that his first round <laughs> opponent, he literally just tweeted, like, quote, tweeted the draw or something and just tweeted the letter F. I'm <laughs> sure you can figure out what that stands for, but I thought that was funny. So then we have Alex Demenor, the 21st seed. Not really a top seed, but still worth mentioning <laughs> just because he is Alex Demenor and we are Shravi and Josefina. Um, so <laughs> Demon defeated Travaglia. Um, six two six four seven six and what? Uh, Demonor won a match. That's I know, crazy. right? On we're clay. so happy. Also, as far as his T-shirt goes, Guile was wearing it, Emil was wearing it, Demon was wearing it. I was scared it would look like a clown or like circusy because it's like blue, red, and blue, red, yellow, and white. But they all look really good in it, so I'm happy with what what they. Wasn't the U.S. Open ball person outfit blue, red, yellow, and what a few years ago? I think last year, uh, two two thousand nineteen. Yes, because I remember I had to I had to we we called it the Rubik's cube outfit because <laughs> it was navy, green, yellow, and red. I liked it. I thought it looked good on the TV. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right, then we have Matteo Berrettini, the ninth seed, defeating Taro Daniel in a rematch of the Belgrade semis. Six love, six four, four six, six four. Um, so not much to say. Not much to say there. I'm happy. I don't want to get my hopes up about Berrettini's draw because he has a decent draw, but you know we'll see. And then another one that we're pretty happy about, just just a little happy about, um, Roger Federer, the eighth seed, defeated Dennis Eastamine, six two six four six three, um, three sets. Wow, in a Grand Slam, but on cl- at the French Open. Yeah, like, at the what? French Open. So he I has guess to he's play Chillage in the second round, <laughs> and this would be a rematch of the twenty eighteen Australian Open final, but um. Wow. Crazy uh, what can happen Marin in three Cilic. years, right? Yeah. Marin Cilic is still a huge threat. He is mm-hmm. an amazing player. And, I mean, Federer did celebrate pretty accordingly because he posted something on Instagram. It was like a wonky um, Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. Tower. And then a picture of him, a da- picture yeah, of him a in selfie. sunglasses with a zoomed up selfie. It was so cute. And, of course, Shravi and I had to bombard the comments. Yeah, I saw the post, like, seven minutes after he posted it, and I commented, I tagged Josefina in the comments, and I said, adopt me, and then Josefina responded. Did you respond? I said said, something like, we can be his third set of twins except a year and a month apart. (laughs) 
So, Roger, if you're listening, which I know you are, um, <laughs> if you want to adopt us, we'd, we'd be, We don't, we'd we be, won't object, object. We'd, yeah, we'd be open to it. Rafael Nadal, the third seed, defeated Alexi Popperin in his first round match, 6-3, 6-2, Big shocker. Popperin actually had two set points in the second set. I was talking about one of, to one of my friends about it during the match. We both had a free period, and he was actually watching on his laptop. He's also actually going to be joining us in our next episode, so get excited, because in our next episode, Who, we're going to have some... Who, No! <laughs> that, was, that was my attempt at a joke. Leave okay. Um, but next episode, we're going to have some new additional voices on to chat about the French Open. But anyways, um, and apparently... Popper missed his first set point on a double fault and his second set point on a missed overhead. So nice. Yeah. Anyways, Rafa plays Gasquet next, who he has a 16 0 head to head against. So I don't it's know. It's about, about to you be 16 to 1. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what to predict in this match. Yeah, so then we have Yannick Sinner, the 18th seed, defeating Pierre Hughes Herbert, 6-1-4-6-6-7-7-5-6-4. So definitely a tough, long match. And why, unfortunately, the, why is that a first-round match? Like, I don't know. Why does one of them have to go yeah. after the first round? We I think that's them. mean. We really do. I really, really am a fan of Pierre's dad energy. The photos he posts with his baby. So also. Cute. It's so cute. So, yeah. I mean, we saw the Australian Open, the PP match against <laughs> Tennis Shop <Shapovalov>. Ball. <laughs> P- Did you just see the PP match? Yeah, that's how I remember it. <laughs> Where it was, of course, a top five setter, but unfortunately he did come out the loser in that one. But, I mean, he got his revenge on the wrong person, but he got his revenge. And he is through to the second round of a slam after a five setter. So... Unfortunately, he did have to go through that um, tough first-round match in the Grand Slam, but, I mean, hopefully he can bring it bring it back. Uh-huh. I don't think that's yep. a saying. Then we had Gal Monfils, the 14th seed, defeating Ramos Vanillos. 1-6-7-6-6-4-6-4. So bounced off, bounced back from the breadstick. This is really exciting. We know Monfils has had a very tough, like, past year plus and just got you know a couple wins under his belt after what was it 15 months Mm -hmm. so I'm really happy to see him through home soil it's really nice um and Ramos Vignolas is like a very tough player to play on clay so this is a great win yeah and Gael is actually it's pretty on topic because he's another player that was super open about mental health and how important it is for athletes so and he also spoke in support of naomi osaka actually very Mm, recently like in the past 24 hours so that's good to hear yeah Yeah. and then we have stefano stitipus the fifth seed defeating jeremy shardy seven six six three six one so um stefanos is the bottom half favorite through to round two and unfortunately he can't play sebastian corda in the second round that would have been a beautiful so matchup. Sad about Sebastian Corda losing. It's okay. He had such a great week in Parma, you know. Yeah, I know, but I oh, he's gonna lose more. points though. Uh, he's not gonna lose. It. I mean, I don't know. Mm. He'll he'll lose points, but he also won the title, and he's had such a good year this year. So I don't think it'll be that bad. Um, but yeah, that would have been a very that that would have that would would have been a very pretty matchup. Can we talk about Stefano Sitsipas's outfit though? 
the purple? Yes. The purple shorts? Yes. I'm obsessed. One word. Yes. I love the purple shirt on Dominic team as well. I'm sad that he's gone now. But his outfit was... Adidas did well with the colors this time, which they rarely do. Like, the gray colors they had for, like, Rome and stuff that Christian Garrett and Felix had to wear, I was not a fan. I was like, they could have done better. Josephina disagrees with me. But that's also because they're Christian and Felix, so she'll like anything that they wear. Um, no, but... but I'm a, I have a thing for gray, like, outfits, so... It's, I'm but fine also, with it. But, but, but also, like, don't lie. Anything that Felix or Christian Garrett would wear, you'd be fine. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's okay. You're not the only one. Um, <laughs> to celebrate with some happy news. Drum roll, please. Daniel Medvedev got his first Roland Garros win. Insane. I, insane. The number two seed defeated Sasha Boop, like, 6-3, 6-3, 7-5, straight sets. Um, and I guess this goes to show you that sometimes we can have ni- nice things, and that sometimes there's just that one little thing, which I think is this, and the fact that Venus Williams and Coco Golf are playing doubles together. I just had to bring that up because I want to end on a note that's basically proving why we shouldn't totally cancel Roland Garros, because there are some nice things associated with that tournament. <laughs> Why can't they just make Monte Carlo the clay slam? (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the French Open this week, and of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released right later this week after the second round of Roland Garros. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Travia. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs>